That was very kind, thank you. Well, as you know, we have been anticipating this new series, a series that kind of hit a connection with us immediately when we started talking about it. This series we're calling Help, and we're gonna dive into what it means to look at our new reality, where we all live with levels of anxiety and worry and fear for the future. And so we're gonna dive deep into this topic over the next seven weeks. Uh, next week, we'll have uh, Dr. Ni nee Addy with us. Uh, Dr. Addy is an expert in uh, brain science, and he does a podcast where he speaks about the intersection of faith and how the brain works, particularly around areas of fear, anxiety, and worry. And so he's gonna be with us. He's got a degree from Duke and a doctorate from Yale, as we all do. And uh, <laughs> so he's gonna be with us next week, so you wanna be here for that. Uh, but today, we're gonna launch week one of this series, Help. And would you please, if you're able to, stand to your feet for the reading of God's Word. Reading from John 15, verse one. It says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the wine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and, that, and these branches are gathered, thrown into a fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full." You may be seated. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. <clears throat> well, the reality is <clears throat> we don't always feel like our joy is full, right? Particularly in the aftermath of the pandemic, global instability, racial unrest, widespread burnout, depression, apathy, lack of vision for the future, and a staggering amount of our population simply feels mentally and emotionally stuck. Mentally and emotionally like you're in some kind of quicksand. The more you struggle, the more you get discouraged and the more you have that sinking feeling. Now we're two and a half years from March 2020 since the beginning of the pandemic when recent history was defined by an event, 
pre and post pandemic. Life somewhat changed for the world and in an initial moment of worry, now evolved and elevated into a season of anxiety that has become for many of us a new norm. Maybe you find yourself in a state of tremendous weariness of your soul. And you ask yourself, are we now supposed to accept living with this level of fatigue? Is this the new normal? This state of overwhelmed anxiousness and attempt functionality in life despite it? One of the deepest groans the human soul is capable of making is a one word prayer, help. And for some of us, we've been walking in a season where words escape us, but we all know how to cry that groan deep from our soul to a loving heavenly Father, help. And this is why we named this series this way. Because wherever you're traveling on whatever level of fatigue and disappointment, discouragement, level of worry and anxiety, we can all relate with a prayer that simply says to God, help, right? In November last year, my wife and I were invited to go to a pastor and spouse retreat. And on this retreat, we met with pastors from all over the country and we dove deep into what leading looked like in this new reality of worry and fear for the future and anxiety and so forth. Before this next session, uh, they took us all uh, to do a therapeutic exercise to kind of like calm our nerves, to do some activity that would, you know, kind of lower our heart rate and prepare us for a next session on anxiety. So we were in Colorado in the mountains on a horse ranch and they invited us to go horseback riding. And so we went to these corrals and the horses came out and this beautiful placid horse named Kansas came out and they gave this horse to Steph and uh, I think we've got a picture of her on this. She is now connected with her creator. Her heart rate has just come to a calming slow. She's like she's in a spa right now. <laughs> Beautiful in nature in Colorado. My wife perhaps never been happier than this moment right now. Got the picture? Okay, then there's time for my horse. <laughs> for a start, my horse is named Chief. What kind of placid horse is named Chief? So they bring out this horse that is half elephant, half horse. Have a look at this. Its legs are like tree trunks. <laughs> my heart rate at this point, and we haven't even left the corral, is beating out of my chest. We start heading down the trail and the rancher came over to me and he said, oh, you've got chief. <laughs> Which isn't good to start with. And he says, oh, uh, you know, we haven't been using Chief for a while. <laughs> because recently he bucked off a guest and they dislocated their shoulder. But then he says to me, have you ever been in a moment where you, you answer but you never thought about your answer? He said to me, but you're a skilled writer, right? And I said, yes. I can't tell you the last time I've ridden a horse. 
So there's one point where we're going and he gets spooked and Chief lifts both legs off the ground. I'm ready for the John Dutton Ranch at this point. (laughs) So (laughs) this was supposed to prepare us to go into a session on anxiety. (laughs) So we come into this session, my wife's holding my hand, she's just never been more at peace. And I'm still physically trembling after my encounter with a half horse, half elephant as we walk into this session. Well, we sit in this session and Pastor John Tyson uh, unpacks a talk on dealing and managing worry and fear better than we've ever experienced in our lives. He introduced us to a, a term called the window of tolerance. The idea is that we all have a window where we can manage the stress and pain of our lives. We have a window of tolerance. And what's essentially taken place in this season like the pandemic is our personal windows have narrowed. We have less ability to cope with the normal, regular things of life. Things like checking your car in for an oil change or consistently getting the kids to school on time or personally finding some mental margin to look at your personal email inbox. Things that were never a big deal in the past, but now they seem to take you to your breaking point. Pastor John unpacked this modern psychology term, the window of tolerance. And with his permission, I wanna share it with you today. The window of tolerance is the zone in which a person is able to function most effectively. When people are in this zone, they're typically able to readily receive, process, and integrate information to respond to the demands of everyday life without much difficulty. This is referred to the healthy engagement or in a scriptural, spiritual way, the abiding, the healthy engagement window in the abiding Now, when things elevate, when you're experiencing pressure, this is known as hyperarousal or angst. This is fight or flight. This is an increased reactivity. This is intrusive imagery like chief the horse. This is flashbacks and disorganized thinking. And all of this takes place over time. You'll see the time arrow at the top and you find yourself in here on a journey of continued discouragement and disappointment where fatigue and pressures increase in your life and you find yourself moving out of the abiding zone and into the angst zone. Now then on the other side is hypoarousal or apathy. This is the immobilization response. This is numbing. This is apathy. This is when you feel like you're shutting down. This is depression. This is passivity. This is withdrawing. This is when you're overcome with a sense of shame. So what does this look like? Maybe it looks a little like this. 
you begin at lockdown actually really motivated and energised that everything outside the home has come to a halt. You kind of are excited about getting to your to-do list. You feel like this is gonna be a season where you can concentrate on you. You see that you've been given the gift of time in the fact that you begin really motivated. Some of us thought about things like, hey, in this quarantine lockdown, I'm gonna have more time to read the Word, to journal, to be with God. Heck, I might even lose a few LBs because I'm gonna start cooking more healthy. I'll have time to exercise. I know going outside is gonna be really important in lockdown, right? Getting some fresh air in. You, you, you begin in, in such a healthy engagement with excitement about what could be. And then the plot line decreases. Reality sets in. The reality that, uh, in fact, what you've learnt to do is sleep in. You've learnt that you can consume an entire bag of party-sized Doritos and an entire pizza by yourself. You don't lose weight, you actually gain your quarantine 15. And you find yourself in a place of absolute apathy as the pressures and the fatigue of the lockdown continue on and on and on. And now you are experiencing just numbness as you're in the window of apathy. And it kind of overwhelms you. Well, what about the other side? Things start off again, really, really positive. This is for all of the families. We're gonna have quality family time. All of the kids in the house, all together, we're gonna have family time, then we're gonna have family time, and then we're gonna have family time. So good, so good, until it's not. Until all you want is one room in the house where there is no one in it. Could you have a moment, just one moment, when someone's not in your personal space asking, Mum, what's for dinner? I don't care! These people that you love so much now have suddenly become your reference point of cray cray. (laughs) And you started off so healthy and then you just end up in this angst. You don't know yourself anymore. You find yourself at the grocery store and you walk in and you say, why are people in here? (laughs) And you get to the checkout line and this person in front of you has more groceries than one single house can contain and eventually they get to the payment part and they turn to you and say, oops, I forgot the laundry detergent. You don't mind if I pop back and get it, do you? And you've never had thoughts like this before, but you're looking at them just wondering, what would it look like for their head to pop off their shoulders right now? (laughs) You don't recognise yourself. The end of the pandemic, you actually wonder whether that spike represents you in prison because you've taken someone's life. This is what it means to be in a window of angst. Imagine... If someone had got that period of your life and they had done a plot line for it, where you'd started with healthy engagement, with abiding spiritually, 
and seasons of apathy and seasons of angst. If I was to plot my story, it would probably look a little bit like this. <laughs> we all had great plans, great intentions at the beginning of the lockdown and this ended up being our reality. And jokes aside, the truth is, we've all experienced levels of stress and anxiety. We've surprised ourselves at our ability to snap at a moment's notice. So here's my invitation this morning. Would you take a moment to look at the window of tolerance and use it as a diagnostic tool for you. Perhaps you're someone who is prone to anxiety and dealing with stress and worry. This can be a very helpful tool to help you identify what zone you find yourself in this morning. If you find yourself driving on autopilot down the road and you miss the turn off while your children are yelling at you and you wonder, do I have drool currently running down my face? And you're wondering, what would it be to just float in the, in the sky right now? Like you're probably in a season of apathy. If you find yourself being irritated at everyone around you and you start to understand that it's spilling out onto the people that you love the most, you're probably in a season of angst. So I wanna get real practical. What is a response, what's an action, a spiritual practice to move you back to the abide zone where healthy engagement takes place? The first is if you find yourself in a zone of angst, there's an invitation from God to you this morning. The invitation from God is that you would be casting those things, casting your cares upon the Lord. 1 Peter 5, 7 declares, cast all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. Imagine with me, what, what if in actual fact there is a God who deeply cares for you? I mean the smallest details of your life. If there is a God in heaven who is intimately involved in the most smallest details of your life, the heaviest challenges, problems and issues, the circumstances and scenarios you are currently facing. Now you may wanna dismiss this. You may wanna feel that you are fundamentally not worthy of a God to give you that kind of attention. You may feel like, hold on a minute, with all of the chaos that surrounds our world, with all of the things that are happening with Russia and Ukraine and natural disasters and homelessness and, and global hunger, how is it that you would say that there is a God that cares about my details? Well, there is a God who cares for the details of your life. He actually cares about what you are individually, personally dealing with. He does, and there is more for you. Psalm 55, 22 says, cast your cares on the Lord and He will sustain you. What a promise. 
He will sustain you. God is actually offering to sustain you in the midst of anxiety when you feel irritated and elevated levels of angst in your life. Your invitation is that you would cast these cares to the Lord. But how do you do that? My suggestion is you get real honest in your chair time. My suggestion is that you do something practical to break the negative soundtrack that is flowing nonstop in your mind. Doing something where you press stop on that that is on repeat and replay. Imagining fear-filled scenarios that may or may not happen. You have to do something to say, God has given me an invitation to cast all of my anxiety, all of my fears, all of my worries, all of my cares to Him, and I'm gonna take Him up on that invitation, right? So you want to daily get in your chair with an open Bible, an open ear to heaven, and an open journal. And here's my suggestion. You wanna lay your cares before the Lord. So how do you do that? You press stop on that negative soundtrack in your mind and you start to write down all of the areas that are causing you fear for the future and worry and anxiety. Step back and look, okay, are there some categories that I could put in clusters here of the areas that are causing me additional elevated anxiety in my life? And then you wanna lay that before the Lord. Say, God, this was your idea, not mine. You said you would give me sustenance. So I'm casting my cares on you and I'm asking you to fulfil your promise that you would sustain me. I'm asking you to stop this soundtrack in my mind. I'm taking you up on your invitation and I'm casting my cares upon you. Remember that old song? Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Or what needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. On the other side, if you find yourself in a season of apathy, where too many hours in the day, you actually feel just numb. Your spiritual practice is thanksgiving, it's gratitude. I wanna take us to Philippians 4. I know that this can feel like an obvious verse to cite at this point, but regardless, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna ask you to come down this well-trodden path in your mind and reject the familiar and come down this path of Philippians 4 with me afresh, with fresh eyes and look at this promise from God. Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. What if thanksgiving was a weapon? What if it was a weapon for the believer? What if thanksgiving was a weapon that we are not using? God has made it available for us but we're not picking up the weapon of gratitude, of thanksgiving, and using it against the negative soundtrack of anxious thoughts and fear that is dominating our mind and dominating our life. It says, present these requests before God. 
and the peace of God. The arene is the Greek word in the New Testament for peace. In the Old Testament, it's shalom. Shalom in Hebrew in the Old Testament means wholeness. Isn't that cool? What God invites into our lives is wholeness. God of shalom is all about the chaos coming to an end and the wholeness of Him being on display. So for us, wholeness, that our brokenness would be made whole. This is the Old Testament word shalom. In the New Testament, nearly every time it's mentioned, this Irene, it's talking about God's presence in our present. It's saying that God's peace is available, not in the future, but in the right now. When he says, make your request known to him and the peace of God will be available in your present. That is good. Every time it's mentioned, it's about taking up what God offers in the present. The peace of God, which, listen to this, resists human understanding. It's beyond our comprehension that in the midst of our fear and worry and anxiety, God would offer a peace to you in the midst of it. It doesn't make sense, correct, it doesn't. It's not of this world, it's of the next, but God is making it available now in your present. The peace that surpasses understanding, the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The truth is, relate with me with this, how much is angst in our hearts? When you're overcome with being irritated, it's often in your heart. But apathy, when you've just become like depressed and numb and I don't care anymore, it's often in our mind. Check this out. In that promise, God is saying, I wanna bring calm to both of those areas, your heart and your mind, your angst and your apathy. This is what's available to us if we take up the weapons that God has available to us. Recounting your blessings evoking gratitude and thanksgiving, stirring up what is good in your life. It combats a negative soundtrack as you start to count the blessings of God in your life. Those times when I feel apathetic or I feel just kind of a little depressed and downtrodden, I have to exercise very easily, mind you, the goodness of God in my life. I have a beautiful wife who makes me laugh every day, although I'm funnier than she is. <laughs> I have two incredible kids that I love with all my heart, although my teenage son now greets me in the morning with a couple of kidney taps. I have a beautiful, almost 18-year-old daughter who still gives me the tightest squeezes, and I love that. We did 10 winters in Chicago. I love living in North Carolina. <laughs> and I get to be a part of a church like this. This doesn't take me long to start to recount some of the goodness of God in my life.
And maybe today you'll be challenged to start to do the same. Maybe it's been a while since you've sat down and started to recall God's blessing in your life. Because when you start recounting the goodness of God, this is not, listen to this, this is not denying the difficult. It's inviting God's peace over the top of the difficult. That's why it's important. What takes place is it changes your heart, may not change your circumstances, but it will change your perspective in the midst of those circumstances. There are two spiritual responses. Each has a practice, one for angst and one for apathy. And it's this, casting and thanking. If you self-identify in a season of angst, your spiritual response is to cast your cares on the Lord. If you self-identify in a season of apathy, your spiritual response is to thank Him for His goodness. And this is what it comes down to. If you wanna live in the abiding zone, you must do the daily upkeep to stay connected to the everlasting vine. Not being daily in your chair time with an open Bible, open journal and open ear to heaven will produce a superficial attachment to the vine. You'll find yourself superficially attached. You'll miss the nutrients and the sustenance. You'll not remain in the abiding zone. You'll easily and quickly drift into the angst or the apathy. Each day you're not in God's Word, keeping short accounts of your mental health, doing maintenance on your heart and surrendering to God your areas of stress, worry and anxiety. You'll distance yourself from God's peace. You distance yourself from the arene peace of God that surpasses your understanding. This is not about how much you love God. It's about how much He loves you. You see, a believer, when truly connected to the vine, does not grow in how much they are loved by God. You see, the moment you are born again, you are as loved on that day, as delighted in in that minute, as pardoned and forgiven and radiant in the, God, in the sight of God that you ever will be. God's love for you knows no increase, but it also knows no decrease. You see, in Christ, you are fully accepted. Regardless of the level of your angst or your apathy, you don't get more loved by God on the days you're good and less loved on the days you're not. You see, God's love doesn't grow. But what does grow? When you're in the abiding zone, it's your awareness of God's love and then His peace increases because of it. That was actually really, really good. <laughs> but what does grow? When you're in the abiding zone, it's your awareness of God's love and then His peace increases because of it. So I want you to take a moment, a moment of self-reflection right now. I'm gonna take you to the classic text of Psalm 139, 23. Search me, God, know my heart, test me and know my anxious thoughts. Maybe using the window of tolerance as a diagnostic tool, how would you self 
diagnosed today? Are you truly connected? Or are you simply superficially attached? Have you drifted away from abiding with God? Just take a moment to be honest before God. Have you drifted away from the abiding, the true connection to the vine, where the sustenance, where the nutrients, where the life-giving presence and power of God is made available to you? I wanna ask if you would stand to your feet if you're able and close your eyes. I wanna take us into a moment of prayer in these two areas. Start to connect on what is that area that you most identified with this morning? Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters this morning that they would grow in the courage to cast their worries on You. I pray, Father, that those who are just so overcome with their anxiety that it's moved them into levels of angst where some of their words and actions and behaviours they don't even recognise anymore. Father, I pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would stop the soundtrack in their mind and that you would enter in with your peace. For my sisters and brothers here today, God, who have just in a season of perhaps depression where they feel like they just don't care, where they find themselves on the couch, it's kind of like binging out on Netflix just because it doesn't seem to matter anymore. Father, would you enter in there? Would you help them to see your blessings despite it? And as they start to declare your goodness, then things would change. Their perspective would change, God. Would you give them eyes of heaven to see the plans and the purposes that you have for their life? God, would you take them to a place where they declare that Jesus is Lord and Jesus is my Lord? Father, would you take them out of this season of fear for the future and remind them that you have them in the palm of your hand. For you said that they are fearfully and wonderfully made and their life has a purpose. God, we thank you for today. We thank you for your Word of God that changes our lives and is a place for us, for instruction and guidance and for reassurance in the midst of your promises. We love you. We pray this in the matchless name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. Amen.